if you're new to this whole world of baby led weaning and starting solid foods, you might still be on the fence as to whether this approach is going to work for you. And if that's the case, I want to send you my free feeding guide called Will Baby Led Weaning Work for My Baby? This is a guide that contains a decision tree map that you can work your way through to determine if this is the right approach for you guys and then when it's time to start. Grab your copy of Will Baby Led Weaning Work for My Baby on my website at babyledweaning.co slash resources. I was doing my breakfast dishes this morning, turned the garbage disposal on, and then heard that terrible noise when you know something is in the disposal, but like you can totally tell the damage has already been done. Sure enough, it was an easy peasy tiny spoon, totally shredded, which if I've learned anything about these baby lead weaning spoons from Easy Peasy is that the garbage disposal and the dog both love them. And I was bummed because it's one of my favorite colors that they make, the light gray line, which is called pewter. But my garbage disposal disaster, I guess it came at just the right time because Easy Peasy is having their annual Mother's Day sale from this Friday to Sunday, so May 10th to 12th. You can get 20% off all of the Easy Peasy feeding gear with the affiliate discount code BLWMOM on orders of $50 or more. So this is a great time to stock up at 20% off because my regular Easy Peasy code is usually only for 10% off. So this bump up to 20% off is nice, but it's just for three days. So head to easypeasyfun.com to grab tiny spoons, their tiny cups, and the best suction mats and bowls for baby lead weaning. They have a really cool new bundle maker on their website if you want to group or piece a few items together or If you just don't want to think about it, then just grab one of the Easy Peasy First Foods sets. It has everything you need to give your baby a safe start to solid foods with baby led weaning. That code is BLWMOM for 20% off Easy Peasy orders of $50 or more now through Sunday, May 12th at easypeasyfun.com. And happy Mother's Day to you. If a baby has atopic dermatitis, it's not caused by a food, it's something they're born with and makes them more susceptible to developing food allergy. One way to combat that susceptibility to developing food allergies is to actually give them the foods. Hey there, I'm Katie Ferraro, registered dietitian, college nutrition professor, and mom of seven specializing in baby led weaning. Here on the Baby Led Weaning Made Easy podcast, I help you strip out all of the noise and nonsense about feeding leaving you with the confidence and knowledge you need to give your baby a safe start to solid foods using baby-led weaning. Well, hey guys, welcome back. Today we're talking about a topic that's a little bit scary to parents when they try new foods with their babies, and that is what do you do if your baby gets a contact rash from a new food? And we're not talking about a full-blown allergic reaction here, But a lot of times a new food will interact with the drool that your baby has from teething and it'll cause some red, rashy, bumpy stuff going on around the face. And is that something that you need to worry about? Well, I'm joined today by my friend and colleague, Dr. Ron Sunog. Dr. Sunog is a pediatrician who specializes in preventing food allergy with food. He's also the author of the book, Eat the Eight. So the eight refer to the big eight allergenic foods. Those are the eight foods that account for about 90% of food allergy. And Ron's book, Eat the Eight, is all about preventing food allergy with food and the imperfect art of medicine. So he really gets it, especially as a pediatrician, seeing parents like you and me every day, that these topics can be scary, they can be confusing, and he has a very nice, straightforward way of helping us kind of cut through all of the noise out there and say what's really going on and what's the best thing to do for my baby. So Dr. Sunog and I are also gonna be hosting a free online workshop that's called What Do I Do If My Baby Has an Allergic Reaction to Food? So if you're interested in this, you're starting new foods with your baby, you're introducing the allergenic foods, 
you might wonder what allergic reactions look like and what you should do if your baby has one. That's exactly why Dr. Sunog and I are co-teaching this free workshop together. If you want to sign up for the free workshop that Dr. Sunog and I are teaching together, go to the show notes page for this episode at blwpodcast.com forward slash one, two, three, and you can get signed up for free there. We'll help talk you through what you do if your baby has an allergic reaction to foods. But in today's episode, Dr. Sunog is going to help us to figure out what to do if our baby has a contact rash from a new food. So with no further ado, here is Dr. Ron Sunog. All right. Well, Ron, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to chat with you. Thanks for having me. It's always fun. This topic is a hot topic with parents because parents freak out when their babies try a new food and there's any changes in skin. So we're going to talk about what some of the signs of true food allergy are, but like, what does the term contact rash means for moms like, or, and caretakers and dads who are listening? How does it differ from a full-blown allergic reaction? If you don't mind maybe just like setting it up for us as far as like the terminology goes. Sure. So like so many areas in medicine and as we're discovering in allergy, people use these words and throw them around very interchangeably. And to some extent, they really are interchangeable. But although that makes it easier to talk about, it also can lead to confusion. So the simplest way to think about it is the umbrella term, let's call it, is eczema. And eczema is skin that is dry, usually a little bit red, itchy, and most people have had or seen eczema at some point. And it just looks like what a lot of people would just say, oh, I have this dry rash. And then the question is, well, what's the cause of it? And so there are a number of causes. And what really, the two causes that we're really thinking about and talking about here are number one, what would be called atopic dermatitis, and number two, contact dermatitis. I would say also many people would be familiar with contact dermatitis. If for no other reason, for example, poison ivy, that's a great example. That is contact dermatitis. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. If you've been thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's a convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online experience. All you do is just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. I used to think therapy was just for people who have experienced major trauma, but therapy can help you be at your best no matter what you're going through. So whether it's to learn new positive coping skills, set more realistic boundaries, or just show up as a better version of yourself, BetterHelp is here to help. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can help you get there and BetterHelp can help you. Visit betterhelp.com slash weaning today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash weaning and get 10% off your first month. I want to say something funny because the other day we had, uh, I was interviewing the founder of an all natural skincare line for babies. And she was talking, we're talking about how like bogus natural stuff is like in food and in skincare. And she's like, yeah, like if you think about it, poison ivy is a natural botanical and plant product, but do you want it on your body? So I was just kind of funny to hear the poison ivy analogy again. Right. Yeah. I I often use the example of uh, hemlock. Hemlock is uh, natural, but you wouldn't eat it. (laughs) So, and here's the major difference. Atopic dermatitis 
is the reason infants get that is a problem with the skin barrier. And there's a problem with a protein in the skin and infants then will develop again, eczema again. So using the term eczema to describe the rash that you can see and that people experience when infants get it for what appears to be sort of no reason. They didn't you know, come across poison ivy and they didn't touch any particular potentially irritating product or object. And, and it could be that too, of course. I mean, could it be uh, the detergent? Could it be something in clothing, et cetera, et cetera. But if there's no particular cause found, it's probably what we call atopic dermatitis. Then we've got what we call uh, contact dermatitis. And that's basically just irritation of the skin. So you don't need to have atopic dermatitis to experience contact dermatitis. Again, somebody who's never had eczema their whole life can come in contact with poison ivy and get the rash. Somebody who doesn't have a problem with most things comes across a particular detergent that irritates their skin and they get the rash. Those are the two main differentiations in what we're talking about here. And does a baby drooling in that presence of drool in conjunction with the new protein or whatever component it is in the food that's irritating them, does the drool make it worse around the face? Right. So you can have a baby who has no atopic dermatitis. And again, let me say a little more about that first. Sure. Atopic dermatitis is a problem with the barrier of the skin and is a problem that is connected to other what we call atopic diseases in life. So, and people call it uh, the atopic march. And you go from atopic dermatitis to food allergy to fancy word for runny nose from allergy, rhinitis, allergic rhinitis, and asthma. Those are all atopic diseases. Okay. So drool around the mouth. That's just irritation. Here's an example. Maybe not so much in San Diego, but if you're in a climate where it's cold and or dry, your hands are wet. You don't dry your hands well. For example, here where I am in the, in the, the Boston area, you don't dry your hands well and you let them air dry in this super dry air we have here in the winter. And then they start to get dry and itchy. That's a kind of eczema. Okay, but it's not atopic dermatitis. It's not even really contact dermatitis since it wasn't contact with anything. Okay, so getting back to the drool, it's just the irritation. What is it in the drool that irritates? Uh, you know, anybody knows uh, you lick your lips too much and let the hair dry, and, and you get that, you know, red circle kind of around your lips, the, the you know, the dry redness. So, and here uh, I'm going to just go on a little bit more uh, is where a little bit of the confusion comes in. You can have atopic dermatitis, which is an inborn problem with the skin that leads to an eczematous rash. And that can, in fact, be made worse by a number of things, including foods. But they're not being caused by the food. They can just be exacerbated. The rash can be exacerbated by the food. So there's a difference there. How likely are contact rashes for babies? Like, are there statistics on there? Is this something we see all the time, like parents should be aware of, or like this almost never happens? Can you quantify it? So no, I can't specifically quantify it. So I can mostly speak uh, from my experience and, you know, from what I've read. There are statistics on eczema, uh, specifically atopic dermatitis in infants. And as far as contact dermatitis, I'm not aware of any statistics, but I would say there's almost nobody who isn't, uh, let's call it sensitive to something. Again, to go back to poison ivy, 
about 85% of people, if they come in contact with poison ivy, will develop a poison ivy rash. They will get eczema from the poison ivy. The other 15% do not. And so for any particular irritant, it varies. So no, I don't have exact numbers on that. Okay. What about if your baby does get a contact rash? Let's say you're trying a new food that's like unlikely to cause an allergy. Tomatoes are the one that comes to mind a lot. A lot of babies will, if they have tomato sauce on their face or they're trying, if we do cherry tomatoes, we quarter them for babies. Once they have their pincer grasp, and pick it up and eat it. If you baby tries tomatoes and all of a sudden there's some red rashy stuff around their mouth, what should the parents do? Do they keep feeding that food? Do they observe? Like, what's your suggestion if it's not like full-blown signs of a food allergy, but just this dermatitis? What do they do next? Right. So what really happens there is, of course, the parent starts to worry, is this an allergic reaction? And what you described is not. It's pretty much that simple. So what do you do? Well, again, if there were any irritant causing your baby to have a rash, I would remove the irritant and you know, if possible, again, it's a little, it's a little harder with a baby, you know, and particularly around the mouth, but provide something to soothe that rash, which basically for the most part means, you know, a little bit of moisturizer or something like that. I would wait till it goes away. And then from a safety point of view, feel absolutely safe about giving that food again. And, you know, maybe as they get older and drool less, maybe it doesn't happen again. If it remains an irritant, you might want to avoid it simply because it's irritating, but not because it's allergic and not because you have to fear it in any way. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And I think that's a really important point that you make. So oftentimes we run into parents who are like, well, when in doubt, leave it out. I'm just going to like never feed the baby tomatoes again. It's like, well, listen, your baby doesn't have a true food allergy to tomatoes. Is it really feasible for you to be essentially unnecessarily withholding this food? Especially if you like tomatoes, great source of vitamin C, helps your baby absorb the iron from the other foods they're eating is in a lot of foods, but just because they get a little rash from it, if it goes away on its own, am I hearing you say that it's not really something you need to worry about? Absolutely. And eliminating foods from a diet, I mean, when it's necessary, you have to do that. But when it's not necessary, it sure is a pain. It's starting with having to be vigilant about it and worry about it. And then if you think it's really allergic, worrying that your baby will have a more serious reaction, et cetera, et cetera. No need to go down that road if it's not necessary. Okay, parents love to take pictures of their babies, but I know you're always suggesting that parents should take a picture of what's happening around the mouth if there is a contact reaction. Is that correct? Would you suggest that? I would suggest it if you're not sure. Picture's worth a thousand words. Despite, you know, uh, someone can listen to this podcast, someone can read, et cetera, et cetera. And still, uh, when faced with it in reality, feel anxious about it. So sure take a picture. You're going to stop the food right then and there just because it's irritating, not for any other reason. And, you know, don't make a plan to never give that food again. But sure, you don't want to give it until you feel more certain. Take that picture, show it to your uh, provider, your pediatrician, see what they say. All right. Now I have another question about eczema. You explained it a little bit, but I know we work on some projects together in the world of allergy. And I've learned from you when we talk about parents will sometimes say, oh, X, Y, or Z food causes my baby's eczema to flare up. 
And you're always pointing out that eczema is more of a risk factor than it is necessarily a symptom of food allergy. A, am I hearing you correctly? And B, could you clarify that for parents who might be like, oh, so maybe like some dairy that makes the eczema worse is not really the worst thing. Yeah. So that is a really important thing to clarify. So again, if a baby has atopic dermatitis, it's not caused by a food, it's something they're born with. And it, in fact, makes them more susceptible to developing food allergy. One way to combat that susceptibility to developing food allergies is to actually give them the foods. Now, you do sometimes run into a little problem in that if the eczema is atopic dermatitis, other things can exacerbate it, make it worse. So, for example, any parent of a baby with eczema that is atopic dermatitis, and that's going to be most of it in infancy, knows that if their skin gets dry, just like if you don't dry your hands well in cold, dry weather, that atopic dermatitis is going to get worse, okay? In that same way, some foods seem to simply make it get worse. So it's not a direct reaction to the food. It's not caused by the food, but the rash can't get worse because of the food. Would you have to totally avoid that food? I would say almost never, not never. Sometimes you just can't help it. Sometimes every time you give a particular food, the eczema just gets so bad and whatever you do, you can't make it better. And so you know, for simple comfort, you may choose in the end to avoid that food. That's going to not happen very often. The real answer is to treat the heck out of the eczema, and then you should be able to continue giving that food. And if it's one of the eight, or let's call it nine most allergenic foods, adding uh, sesame to the original eight, you keep giving those foods because if you don't, avoiding those foods in combination with the fact that the baby has atopic dermatitis actually increases their risk of developing food allergy. All right. Now I know the point of today's episode is to talk about contact rash, which at the end of the day is not a major deal and usually is going to go away on its own and you're totally safe to reintroduce the food in most cases. But I would be remiss if we didn't talk about how to identify the signs of true food allergy. And you and I are doing some workshops on that, but sort of summarizing the whole thing. What is the opposite? Like when should we worry and be like, oh, this is more than a contact rash. So to put it in the word, in terms of rash specifically, hives. If you see hives, and the easiest way to imagine a hive is it looks pretty much like a mosquito bite. They can be you know, bigger than what you picture as a mosquito bite. They can be smaller. They can be one, several, many. And if it's not hives, if it's just particularly around the mouth or wherever the substance may have touched the infant, if it's just dryness, a little bit of redness, not a raised mosquito bite looking thing, it's almost certainly not a food allergy reaction. Now, of course, there are other food allergy reactions that aren't rash. And so you need to watch for those too. So the other things to watch for are swelling, which can be swelling of you know lips, tongue, difficulty breathing, which would include cough, wheezing, breathing hard or fast, and vomiting. And then more sort of uh, what we call systemic or generalized reactions. An infant can get super fussy or can get very lethargic. And uh, that's from things happening physiologically in the body that you're not going to be able to see in other ways. So those are all the things to watch for. An easy way to think of it is you've got the eczematous looking rash, the contact dermatitis, just some redness and irritation and everything else. And it's just that redness and irritation you're basically home free. It's fine. 
Well, thank you so much, Dr. Sunog. I think you just put a lot of parents at ease that they're a little bit more prepared about what to do in the event that their baby does have a contact rash. Great. Glad to do it. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode and interview with Dr. Ron Sunog. He is one of my favorite people on the planet. He's been on the podcast a ton. He's kind of my go-to guru for food allergy questions. And as a pediatrician, he really gets it. He loves the food first approach which I do as well. We're firm believers that babies who are six months of age, plus showing the other signs of readiness to feed, can safely eat all of the big eight allergenic foods. You don't need to buy some silly little stick packet that you stir into a bottle or mix into a puree. Your baby can learn to eat these foods and you can introduce the allergenic foods that way. So Dr. Sunog and I are gonna be co-teaching a free workshop together called What Do I Do If My Baby Has an Allergic Reaction to Food? Because we know you're on board with trying these new foods, but you might be scared about what to do if there actually is an allergic reaction. We believe that knowledge is power. So come check out our free online workshop that we're going to be teaching live together. If you go to the show notes page for this episode at blwpodcast.com forward slash one, two, three, you can get signed up for our upcoming workshop. Don't forget to also check out Dr. Sunog's book called Eat the Eight. It's all about preventing food allergy with food. What a novel concept, right? And the imperfect art of medicine. He's a pediatrician. I'm a registered dietitian. And we would love to see you on our free live workshop called What Do I Do If My Baby Has an Allergic Reaction to Food? You can get signed up one more time. That's at blwpodcast.com forward slash one, two, three. And maybe we will see you there. Bye now. Friends, are you looking for a new podcast? Maybe something you can share with your littles? Something that has some storytelling in it? Well, then look no further. We have Storytime with Philip and Mommy, where my son and I sit and discuss all the great books that you might love while we read them. So, Little Golden Books, Berenstain Bears, and even the new classics like Bluey. We sit down, we read, we discuss, and we have so much fun doing it. Come and join us. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.